You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is basketball coach Corey Close. Corey is presently the head coach of the UCLA women's basketball team, where she has just completed her 10th year. Before UCLA, Corey spent time as an assistant coach at Florida State University and her alma mater, UC Santa Barbara. In total, she has worked as a coach on teams that have advanced to the NCAA tournament in 16 seasons, won at least 20 games in 16 of the previous 18 seasons, and won or shared a total of 11 conference championships. She has also helped the USA to a gold medal as an assistant coach at the 2019 Under-19 World Cup and the 2018 FIBA Americas Under-18 Championship. In addition, she was voted Pac-12 Coach of the Year in 2019. Corey is a passionate and energetic coach who is on a mission to, in her words, lead an uncommon transformation in the players she leads. She believes in the power of gratitude, of making the lifestyle choice to be a consummate learner, and of looking at the world through the lens of what I can give, not what I can get. She is a force for change who thinks deeply and strategically about the specifics of the program she leads. There were many key points in this interview that I reflected on afterwards. 
how the great coaches invest in the lives of their athletes from the inside out, as this allows the athlete to find gears that they didn't even know they had, the focus she has on people's response, which she describes as their R, being stronger than the E, the event, and the story she shares about one of her injured athletes to illustrate this, and how your actions as a coach must be consistent with your own unique personality and principles, and how from this she talks about her choice to coach hearts, which lead to deeper character, better teamwork, and ultimately better habits. This was an energizing conversation for me at the end of a very long week, and I hope you get the same sense of energy from it that I did. The Great Coaches Podcast. Coach Corey Close, good morning your time, and welcome to the <laughs> Great Coaches Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It is good morning and out here in the West Coast and the United States, So, but it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. I can see the sun shining outside there. So I might start with a really simple question. Could you tell me what you've been up to so far today? Well, to, so far today, I've spent uh, 45 minutes out on my uh, back deck uh, having sort of just some personal, just my little anchoring time. And then I had a women's basketball oversight meeting with the NCAA, and now I'm with you. So the morning is still young here. It's, uh, what, 9.30 a.m. Uh, West Coast time and excited just to be able to talk leadership. Well, thank you very much. We're excited to get your view on it because, of course, you've had a long, illustrious career with UCLA. We'll get to that as we move along. But perhaps if we could start, I'd like to just name check some of the great coaches that you've got firsthand experience with. John Wooden, Mark French, Kathy Oliver, Gino Oriema. I always get that pronunciation. That's correct. You did yeah. very well. Ah, thank you. This And there's Sue Samro. So I guess you're in a pretty good place to answer this question, which is, what do you think the great coaches do that sets them apart? Well, I think that the real great coaches know how to build genuine relationships. And I think we tend to focus so much on the X's and O's or the mastering of their, of their craft from a wins and loss perspective or strategy. But I don't think that's the great separator. I think the great separator is truly understanding people and truly knowing how to invest in their lives from the inside out and to develop trust. And especially with this generation, they really, Coach Sue Simra used to always say, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I just think they're going to pick out a fake a mile away. One of the things that all of the great coaches I've had the opportunity to be around, it was that it was really about a genuine investment in people first. Then out of that came the opportunity to perform at high levels, to help them master their craft, to push them, to find gears inside of them that maybe they didn't even know they had. But you have to have developed trust and genuine that they know it's truly a transformational experience. It's not transactional. These coaches are not doing anything to get something in return. It is truly so that they can transform lives um, through sport. Then you have the trust to be able to maybe push them to uncomfortable places where the real growth really happens. Talking about real growth, actually, one of your players, Lauren Miller, she said that she wants us to grow in our ability to be leaders, but she also wants to grow herself. And it just was intrigued me a little bit. And I thought I'd ask, what have you done recently to grow as a leader? Well, I hope I'm doing things every day. I mean, honestly, that that's something that Coach Wooden really modeled for me and was he talked about all the time about to be a consummate lifestyle learner. This is not something I do like, okay, every month I do X, Y, and Z. Like this is a lifestyle choice to constantly be learning, ask more questions, give less answers, to have a humility of 
of what can I learn from the person to my right or to my left, really, despite any titles or anything else, to just make the lifestyle choice to be a consummate learner. And so that's really what I'm trying to do. And I want to model for our players, one of our three core values in our program here with UCLA women's basketball is a growth mindset. And what does that mean? It means everything that happens to me today is an opportunity to learn and grow. And I want every player as they leave our program to have a deep sense of what a privilege it is to look at life through the lens of growth and not through a fixed mindset lens. And if I want them to really adopt that, I've got to model it myself. I've got to show them my pride in being better today than I was yesterday. And when I fall short, owning that and saying, hey, you know what? I fell short here. I made a mistake here. Let's get back onto the growth path. I'm really thankful that Lauren would comment to that end because I really want my actions and my role modeling to speak louder than any word I would ever speak. There's such a power. I think in owning your mistakes, I was talking to my own girls about that just recently, but I'd like to follow up if I could and just ask, what are the other two values that are central to your program? Gratitude. We just think a contented life really comes from being people of gratitude. So I said growth mindset, gratitude, and being lifestyle givers. I just believe that you wake up every day. And I actually made a speech about this at my high school graduation, and I still believe it. I'm turning 50 this year, and I still believe it to this day, just like I did when I was 18 years old, that every day we have a chance when we wake up to look at the world through the lens of what can I give or what can I get? And it's a choice you have to make because I think we are all pretty selfish humans left to our own devices. But I think the reality is, is that purpose and depth and contentment come from looking at the world through that lens of what can I give? How can I invest in someone else? Another great quote that I got from Coach Wooden was, the only way to have a perfect day is to give to someone else with no expectation of anything in return. That's how you create a perfect day. And so if we could have a bunch of lifestyle givers committed to creating perfect days of giving to other people without any expectation of getting anything in return, how cool is that? So that's our third core value. Uh, So lifestyle givers, uh, being people of gratitude and having a growth mindset are what we try to build our habits around and our values and our culture around at UCLA Women's Basketball. Coach Corey, was there a person or event that ignited this passion inside you to coach? For me personally, my faith is a real driver for me. My relationship with God is something that I feel deeply connected to that. And I want to live out of purpose to make other people's lives better because of what I've received in my own heart. And so I think that's really where it comes from that I don't want to be self-absorbed. I want to live life with great passion and great purpose and loving people, loving all kinds of people really well with hopefully not an expectation of anything in return and in loving people that are different than me, that maybe even disagree with me. I stole this from a great author, Bob Goff, but I don't want to just do love. I want to become love for the sake of others. And so that's rooted in what I've already received, what I believe I've already received in my relationship with God. But that's really where the source of passion comes from. And that's really where my why originated. I love this idea in your program where you talk about people's R, their response Mm. being stronger than the E event. It's such a simple, but powerful idea. And I was wondering, is there an example you could share with us where you have applied this successful to an individual that's helped them overcome something. 
Well, I actually just had a conversation with one of my players yesterday. It's one of the best players in the country. She's battling an injury. And so she hasn't done it yet, but I fully have confidence that she will choose it and will do it. But I said to her, look, you had to have surgery and you had to have a little bit of setback of how you were going to train this summer. Yes, I get that. Those feelings are real and valid. But you had no control over that event. The reality is it happened. But you have a ton of control over your R, your response. And what I did is I said, okay, at the end of this time that you've not had to sit out, so to speak, what do you want to be able to say about your response? What do you want to be able to look back and go, man, I chose to strengthen my R. I chose to respond a certain way. And as a result of those choices, this is what transpired. This was the work I did in the dark that got revealed in the light, so to speak, later on. And then she articulated that. And then we reverse engineered. Okay, it's maybe not going to be in the way in which you thought you were going to train, but why can't you just accomplish these same things because you've chosen to respond in a really powerfully a creative way. It's going to be really a wonderful adventure to be able to see her do that. And we came up with this two-month plan of ways in which she could learn, grow, train, and maybe even come out better as a basketball player, even though she probably never would have discovered any of those new avenues than she would have normally. Another example for me was that the pandemic, honestly. We at UCLA Women's Basketball, we were shut down pretty much from March 13th to September 21st. We were the last women's basketball program, we believe, that was able to come back together. So we were so far behind. And so in the middle of the summer, when I was seeing all these other college teams start to train together and start to have this, I had a choice, right? I had no control over that event. The reality is LA County was not going to allow us to get back together, period. I couldn't do anything about it. But the choice to control my R, my response in light of those events, I had complete control over. So one of the ways we got together as a staff and said, okay, we can't train physically together, but we can train mentally together. So what would that look like? And actually, one of the people I called is the originator of the R factor, Tim Kite, Tim and Brian Kite have been really great mentors of mine. I called Tim and Brian Kite. I called Trevor Moad, who wrote It Takes What It Takes. And then I called Joshua Metcalf, who wrote Chop Wood, Carry Water, Win in the Dark. And he's been a great mentor as well. And I said, okay, look, I'm not able to train physically, but we can train mentally. Help me develop the best 12-week mental conditioning program in the country. And so we embarked on creating this mental training, mental conditioning curriculum and plan throughout that summer. And it has been really dramatically life-changing. And I think that not only did it sustain us through a very, very difficult year, we only had six or seven players on our roster most of the year. It was a really hard thing, but the work we had done mentally and the strengthening of our R throughout that entire summer, I think was not only a key to our season, but also a key to a life skill that our players will have with them the rest of their lives, let alone me. So that's a long answer to your short question about an example of strengthening your R, your response. But sometimes when we all tend to look at like our circumstances and go, oh, this is what we can't do. 
do. This is what we can do. But when you are committed to your response or discipline over default, you choose to say, okay, where is it that I can grow? Maybe an unpredictable way as this event is hard. This event is not what I would have chosen, but maybe it will force us to the uncomfortable places where the real growth and change happens. When you have to make those hard choices that develop deep character and life-changing habits. So it's a work in progress. It's an everyday kind of thing. I also don't believe you can carry it over. I think you got to choose it every day. You got to go, okay, I'm going to choose to strengthen my R today. I'm going to choose to choose discipline over default because I know I am. I'll go back to old habits or comfortable ways and not a lot of good or growth happens in comfortable ways. It's an amazing answer. I mean, so many people, so many, all of us are still struggling with this. Many countries are still locked down. What's, is there one thing, one little small tip you could give anyone who's listening on how to strengthen their R tomorrow? You know, I think maybe asking yourself the question of what are three areas that if I do nothing, I will default to, but if I make some small habitual discipline choices, I can overcome. For instance, and to be, if I'm being really honest, this morning I did not do a great job of this. I sort of, I try to not look at social media the first 30 to 45 minutes I'm awake in the morning and also the last 45 minutes before I go to bed and sort of no screens in that period of time. And I'll be honest with you, today I didn't do well. I wasted some time and I didn't get as good a time just to start my day and fill my cup up, so to speak. That's one of those situations where I didn't choose to strengthen my R or to choose discipline over default. And I sort of just settled in. And before I knew it, I'd wasted a half an hour, right? The reality is if someone were to strengthen their R tomorrow, it's just to make a decision that what's going to govern your feelings and your circumstance. I always say not to decide is to decide. If you don't decide in advance, look, I may have some hard things that happen today, but I'm going to choose to look at and strengthen my response no matter what. And if you don't decide that that's how you're going to do it, then usually your circumstances overcome your feelings or your moods or your choices. And so I would just say, um, if you want to strengthen your R tomorrow, decide that your R is going to be more important than your circumstances, period. And if you don't decide that, usually your circumstances win. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I want to pick up on this theory of uh, this idea of choice, actually, because when you were an assistant at UCLA, you went off and you spent time studying um, Gino Oriema at UConn. I got this great quote when you were reflecting on it. You said, UConn wasn't born a powerhouse. They constructed their program that way by emphasizing the power of choice. And it caught my eye because I wanted to ask you, why is choice such a powerful predictor of success? 
Well, I think you're talking about growth, right? And I think I think you always have a choice. You always have a choice to strengthen your R. You always have a choice to work hard. You always have a choice to invest in someone else. Nobody's making you be there, right? No one is making us show up today. You are choosing it. I think, again, it goes back to fixed mindset versus growth mindset, right? And you're not looking at the world is happening to me. You have choices, of how you're going to look at the world. Not that the life is fair, the circumstances are always good. There's a lot of difficult, real challenges in life. But I do believe the only thing we can really focus on is our choice within that. If you focus on the things out of your control, okay, your non-choices, then it will adversely affect the things under your control. So I just think going back to, okay, I have a choice here. I remember growing up, I used to say to my mom, I'm bored. And she would say, boredom is a choice. You can choose to be bored or you can choose to do something else. And I think even at a very early age, it was brought to me that, hey, you know what? Everything, it, it was just another way of, of saying a growth mindset. No, it, boredom's not happening to you. You're choosing it and you can choose to get out of boredom too. And so I think the same thing. And when I was at UConn's practices, I counted, for instance, a really incredible choice that I think they've made to create an elite habit is the way they communicate on the court. And every coach, if you ask them, what's one of the keys to teamwork, all of them will say communication. But very few are willing to make the uncommon choices to develop the habit where that's just what you do. And over four practices that I watched at UConn, I counted, I think, seven times in four practices that someone didn't call a screen or say someone's name when they passed or whatever the case might be. The habit of communication within the play was chosen over and over and over again to the point that it was just a part of the character and culture of what they did. And I think that is the power of choice, right? When you make the right choice enough times, it becomes an elite habit. And that's something that I think I learned watching Gina Oriema's practices. But there is tremendous power in choice, but you also have to make the correct choice over and over and over again. Late in 2020, you secured your 200th win at UCLA. And reflecting on it, you said, it isn't about 200 wins. It's really about 200 hearts. So when did hearts become a symbol of winning for you? Well, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but one of my visits to John Wooden's house, I remember sitting down with him and I would love to bring to him and say, coach, what would you do? If I was a head coach, I would want to do this, this, and this. What do you think? And number one, he would always say, well, what fits your personality and your principles? It's not about my program. It's about yours. And you have to coach within your personality and your principles that you've committed to. But one of the things he did say, and he would never say it was advice. He said, I was just sharing his opinion. He, ne- he never gave advice. He said, he's just sharing opinions. But he said to me, he said, you know, Corey, whatever you do, when you have a chance to get your own program, he said, remember that you're not coaching bouncing jump shots or ball handling or offense or defense, you're really coaching hearts. And if you coach hearts well, you'll develop deep character. And through deep character, you will have better teammates and teamwork and choices and discipline. And it will, winning and performance will become a byproduct of teaching hearts, which lead to teaching character, which lead to better habits. And so 
I think that's really what I want is I want people to feel like their hearts were changed as a result of being involved in our program. And therefore, their character was able to be developed. There's a phrase at UCLA because we've won the second most amount of national championships of any university in the United States, but everyone says champions made here. And in our practice facility, it does say the same thing, champions made here, but underneath that, from the inside out. It's always about what's happening on the inside in our heart and our character. And it doesn't make winning less important. It doesn't make excellence any less important. It doesn't mean that we're not competitive. It just means that we order things that it starts with the heart and the character and the choices and the habits. And the winning is a byproduct of making the really hard competitive choices that bring about winning ways. I saw this wonderful video that you put together around Black Women Matter. And it was in response to, of course, the grand jury decision that was connected to not indict the officers on Brianna Taylor's death. Simple, it's powerful. But the road to creating that must have been quite emotional. It was very emotional and a lot of really hard, raw conversations. And actually, I, I just had a conversation with Jackie Carson, who you had on this podcast and who really inspired me to be on this podcast is what is it like to be a woman in sport, number one, and then to be a black woman in sport and let alone in our society. And those feelings are so deep and the biases that take place in our society are still so real. And as a white leader, the reality is I'm leading predominantly black women or women of color in our sport make up about 67% of the division one teams. It's really important that I try to understand and I try to listen because the reality is I have never walked in their shoes to that extent. And so in creating that video, there was a lot of like, okay, what does it look like to have you feel like I'm getting in the trenches with you? What do you wish I understood that I don't? What is the message we want to create? How can we do it in such a way that is powerful, but also creates further dialogue and understanding? What does it, can we create something that is going to want people to say, oh, I want to get to know them more. I want to hear more of their story. I want to know how this affects them. And so those things have been constant. More than a dream has been created sort of out of that. And that's an organization within our team. And the thing on the bottom of their mission statement is so that everybody will feel safe, seen, and heard, regardless of their background, identity, religious beliefs, so on and so forth. And that has been something that video was just one of many examples that we're trying to come alongside each other, that people from all backgrounds all religions, all socioeconomics, fill in the blank, all races, that we can all feel safe, seen, and heard and have powerful dialogue and stand up for what is right and stand in the gap with and for each other. I have learned more from them than I have taught in this case. It has been really challenging for me as a leader, but truly it has changed my heart and my players and my staff have really walked with me well and taught me well. And I'm eternally grateful for that. Coach Corey, I have this great quote from you. You say, the more you have players that can find their own solutions, the more quickly they adjust. So you have to teach players to have awareness and be solution-minded and fix things. And I know this is actually a key part of your game plan. But I was intrigued by this idea of teaching self-awareness. And I was wondering, how do you go about that? Well, I think I'm someone, it's really counterintuitive for me because I like to plan everything, have a structure, have a strategic plan. Yeah. And I want everything to line up. 
But the reality is basketball games don't line up that way. Life doesn't line up that way. So one of the things, if I really want to be able to teach, mentor, and equip our players for championship level games, as well as for life, I have to be able to allow some chaos, allow some struggle that in practice and create it, embrace it. And believe me, I don't like doing it, but I think the ramifications and the the yielding of skills is so great that I don't want to miss out. I, I read a great book out a year and a half ago called Rare Leadership. And it talks about how whether you're in business or education or sport, that they've studied all these elite organizations that have great growth. It could be your business production. It could be fill in the blank. But where there is great growth, two characteristics were in existence, struggle and joy. And one of the things that I really try to create in every single practice is a high amount of struggle, even chaos, adversity, but also joy and how those marry. And they don't always happen in the same way or the same form at the same time. But I really do believe that if you're going to be ready for the adverse environments that we're going to face in basketball games at the highest levels, as well as in life and in relationships, you've got to be willing to face those adverse situations and allow it to create some chances to choose your R, right? To choose your responses. We call it neutral thinking too, to get back to neutral and ask yourself, what's the next right behavioral step? What I want to do is I want to create the perfect practice plan that's going to yield the perfect amount of improvement in the areas that I want to see. And then I want to be able to check that box off after practice and go, bam, I was a good teacher today. But that really is not an accurate definition. That may make me feel good in the moment as an educator and as a leader and as a teacher. But if I'm preparing a group for battle, that's not going to work. And so think about how the military chooses to train like a Navy SEAL, or you look at the most highly disciplined and competitive people. It comes from such a sense of how they handle adversity, chaos. You need to have the self-awareness to know that this is a good thing. This is not a bad thing. This is something to embrace and to hopefully conquer. I have players all the time or parents that say, well, I just need you to give my kid more confidence. Ah, I can't give that. Unfortunately, if I could, I would. But the reality is the only way you can have true confidence is to earn it. And you do that by conquering really hard things. So my job is to create those really hard things in practice over and over again. And as soon as they grow in such a way, I raise the stakes. I change the environment. I create a different level of adversity. And then watching them and guiding them and teaching them and giving them skills to have the awareness and the choices and the habits to handle those increased adversities with more and more efficiency and toughness. You've been very generous with your time today, Corey. Perhaps just one question, if I could, to finish. You were an assistant sure. coach for 18 years, and Absolutely. now you've had 10 years as a head coach. So that's 28 years in total. Not a bad run so far. When you finally hand in that whistle and that clipboard and you sit back and write that book or whatever it is that awaits you, what legacy is it that you hope you've left with the athletes that you've touched? Well, I really hope that number one, that they say, man, she loved and led me well. I pray for this every morning that I would be an uncommon transformational coach that lives out my mission to teach, mentor, and equip young women for life beyond UCLA. When I've told this story several times, but it just, it answers your question very poignantly, 
is that on my fourth day on the job, I had met many of Coach Wooden's alumni, but I had never met John Valley. And they told me, hey, you need to meet with this guy. He's he's the dribble for the cure guy. It's a community service thing we're involved with. And I said, okay, fine. And he walks into my office and he sits right across from me. And he says, I've been married 38 years because of what Coach Wooden taught me. I've started three successful businesses because of what Coach Wooden taught me. I've conquered cancer three times because of the strength Coach Wooden gave me. And then he really got me. He said, I survived the death of my 12-year-old daughter because of the way Coach Wooden loved me. And then he pretty much said, okay, well, welcome to the family, Corey. See you at Dribble for the Cure. And he walks out. And I run over to my computer and I look him up. And he didn't even mention that he was the starting guard of two of Coach Wooden's national championship teams. And he played seven years in the NBA because it pales in comparison to the man he became. And that's really what I want my legacy to be, is how many John Valley type of stories can we create, creating an uncommon transformational experience. And it doesn't make winning or the competitive excellence that we're trying to create any less important. It just means that it comes from, it's, it always will pale in comparison to who, who they're becoming. And I had this really Joshua Medcalf, who I referenced earlier, as was our mental conditioning coach for a long time. And, and he brought our team out onto the floor of Poly Pavilion. And he said, bottom line, he said, what are the only two things that are going to stay with you for the rest of your life from these four years? And one of our players said, I want a banner, baby. I want to raise a banner in Poly Pavilion. He said, that's an excellent quest. And he said, I hope I get to see you do that. But the reality is, is that banners hang in gyms. Someone else on the team said, oh, the natty though. I want that ring. I want the ring. And he said, awesome. The habits of excellence that you're going to have to have to achieve that ring are going to be amazing to watch. But he said, rings are in trophy cases and they really just collect dust. But he, what he said to them, he said, your quest of that level of excellence, you should hold yourself to those kind of habits. And as I work with USA Basketball, they don't ever talk about gold medals. They talk about gold medal habits. But he closed out with our team and he said, the only two things that are going to stay with you for the rest of your life from these four years is who you become and who you impact. So you ask me what my legacy, what I want it to be, is I want to have really strong, amazing women that are proud of who they have become and who they have impacted by a result of choosing UCLA and being a part of our incumbent transformational mission. And we really want them to feel proud about who they become and who they've impacted because those two things will stay with them for the rest of their lives. Amazing women, transformational leadership, quests, excellence habits. I think that's a perfect place for us to finish. Thank you so much, Coach Corey. It's been an absolute honor to spend half an hour with you today. Well, it's been my honor and thank you for caring about coaching and impacting lives and sharing people's stories. That's meaningful to me. Hi, everyone. It's Mike here, and you've been listening to our discussion with Corey Close. The other highlights for me included how Corey brings struggle and joy into every practice session as well as a focus on neutral thinking, which she describes as the next behavioral step to get yourself back to positive ground. Her work with the USA basketball team and how they never talked about gold medals, but instead gold medal habits. The description of her team values of growth mindset, gratitude, and being lifestyle givers and how she tries to look at the world through the lens of what can I give 
not what can I get? And the quote she shares from the great John Wooden about a perfect day, being one where you give with no expectations of anything in return. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as we do bringing it to you. If you have any feedback, please let us know. Just like Simon59 who said, really enjoying your podcast, some fantastic coaching insights, and look forward to what is to come in the future. And Northern Response who said, half an hour while cooking dinner, well invested. Great stuff on culture and balance for leaders from the Great Coaches Podcast. The interaction with people around the world who listen give us great energy. So if you have any feedback or comments, please let us know. All the details on how to connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.